Hello everyone, welcome back to My Sister Made Me View It miscellaneous feed, currently covering our Flag Means Death Season 1. This week we're going to be going over Season 1, Episode 7, This Is Happening. <laughs> oh, Emily, can I get your first thoughts on Episode 7? This one was a delight. It was an absolute delight. I really, really enjoyed it. It was lighthearted, but also like tenderhearted. And it was just really sweet. I am so sorry that I did not adequately warn you about oh, either of yes, the stabbings. Except there was, ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not great. Not great. <laughs> Listen, I normally catch these things to be like oh emily close your eyes or hey there's gonna be a stab here and i completely forgot that there was a music cue in the what's that song is that for release yeah oh yeah and i completely forgot that there was a stabbing cue in the middle of the fur release during one of jim's flashbacks but then I was like, okay, so Emily knows that the dad got stabbed. So when we did the scene that showed the dad getting stabbed all the way, they I showed didn't the say stabbing. Anything. It's not just like from a distance or anything. It's just like <laughs> it's just a little knife. I mean, we saw a man get stabbed all the way to a mast last time. But I kind of knew that was coming. Okay. You knew? You knew Steed was gonna get stabbed to the mast of a ship? Not not to the mast, but I figured the foreshadowing with Blackbeard. Okay. Showing him how to get stabbed all the way through. So it's like Okay, so <laughs> Megan is wonderful. She's great to watch stuff with. And we were watching Bones. Uh, I'm not gonna say what show it was. It was but, Bones. Yeah, you know <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and so she would tell me, like, when the really gruesome bodies were, so I didn't have to look, that sort of thing. But there's one scene where someone's head, you see it, spoilers for Bones, but I'm not going to say who, someone's head gets blown off by a sniper, and you see it. And she from a distance. She did not warn me about it. From a distance. <laughs> Clearly from a distance, though, but it's very clear. Yeah, it's not just yeah. like, what just happened? It's I, Anyways. I, she did not tell me, and I, I was, ugh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So rude. <laughs> I am a human. I am <laughs> not infallible. And also, you and I remember Budapest very differently. <laughs> you and I have different levels of tolerances for stuff and things and sometimes i forget sometimes i remember and i tell you My... watch out he's gonna cut his finger off with a pair of scissors <laughs> and sometimes i'm like oh yeah the guy gets stabbed with a knife in an orchard it's fine <laughs> <sighs> but but in spite of all that yeah good episode uh so we jump back to the opener and the very first thing you pointed out emily is that oh all of the flags are flying Technically, one of the flags should be missing. Which one? The cat one. Yes. But at the end of the pilot, we see that the, the cat flag is also flying, and it's also flying here. So what I like to imagine is after they killed uh, Nigel Badminton and the British took the black flag that was covered in blood, sorry, the black cat flag that was covered in blood, I like to imagine that they gave... Frenchy time to re-sew his cat flag so it could be added up up on the no. mast. So I do no. not think that's a continuity error. I think that, oh yeah, he just made another flag. There you go. Practice makes perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, several times during this episode, Emily was like, he drew a picture of this scene, right? <laughs> <laughs> this scene has two drawings I made and one meme I made and actually the meme got taken and uploaded by someone else and they got like 2,000 notes on it and I was really mad. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. But when we get to that when we get to that scene, we'll get to it. But because listen, I'm an adult. But I still like to get notes on things I make. Yeah, I like that serotonin dopamine hit. Yeah, I like internet attention. There we go. So uh, it starts with Blackbeard and Steed 
Ed and Steed having a little spot of tea in the morning aboard aboard the ship. It's a beautiful morning. It's a gorgeous day. Steed serves them in these beautiful china cups exactly the way that Ed likes it. Ah, uh, so Steed is wearing a different robe, a different dressing gown. He's not wearing the comfort gown. Uh, he is wearing this really beautiful uh, painted velvet piece. And like, describe describe this coat to us. It is, okay, it looks very tropical to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a, not a pink. Yeah. What's it? Not a maroon. Maybe fuchsia? a fuchsia, a really soft fuchsia with uh, flowers on it and, and uh, leaves and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it looks very tropical. Yes, and it's very, very colorful. And you mm-hmm. should know it was stated by the oh man, I can't remember if it was David Jenkins who said this or the lead costumer of the show. Um, but there's an interview that stated this robe represents all the color that uh, Ed is bringing into Steed's life. Aww. And so that when Ed is bringing into Steed's life. Yeah, or Steve and, and is vice versa. Into Ed's life. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because, because I love. Oh, good. Oh, I was gonna say Ed also wears uh, color in this episode. He wears the purple shirt when they're out hiking, and that coordinates with the purple suit he wore to the party in episode five. Mm-hmm. I just love the the absolute opposites of fancy gentleman steed with his lacy you know cuffs and dressing gown and blackbeard is still in all leather and eating drinking tea in this beautiful little china cup i love it i love it so much but ed no yes wait ed yes go it wasn't an interview i'm so sorry i found it i did a search so this is a twitter interaction between Catherine on twitter who is user at S-O-F-T-B-R-E-D, soft bread. And their initial tweet was, speaking of, mentions several different scenes throughout the remainder of the of the episode where this robe is worn. So, yeah. And then David Jenkins replies, the fuchsia floral robe was intended to highlight Steed's confidence blossoming around Ed. Ed literally brought more color into Steed's life. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Find somebody who makes you your best self. Yeah. I mean, that can also be you. You can also be your best self. But I'm just saying, mm-hmm. it's really great when you find someone who allows you to be your best self. And they're drinking tea with a dollop of milk and seven sugars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is how I take my drinks, actually. So, <laughs> lots of milk and lots of sugar. <laughs> um. But this kind of very perfect moment is ruined because Steed's just like, oh, what are we going to do today? And Blackbeard kind of brings up the idea of like, well, I'm probably going to start thinking about leaving sometime soon. Like I just sitting around and doing nothing is not really my style. It's not something I can do. And that was steed is just like whoa 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 that's no 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 don't do that you know but their their conversation is interrupted by roach who has brought up the fact that there's an emergency and steed's like okay great hold on and then immediately turns back to ed it's like what are you saying and i i don't know i i like i think it's interesting that not that he ignores Roach. That's not what I'm saying. But as a captain, if something is wrong on the ship, you should address it immediately. But instead, he is addressing his interpersonal his interpersonal um, issues. He's much more focused on the Ed thing than he is on his crew's problems. And he ends up dismissing um, Black Pete later when Black Pete's really trying to make an effort and show initiative. Steed's not paying attention because he's so worried about this personal problem he's having. And that's something we saw in episode, like in the beginning episodes, mostly. Yes, guess what? He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to lose. He doesn't want to lose Blackbeard. But Emily, did you mention specifically what the emergency was that Roach is interrupting for? No, I have not yet. What's the emergency? It is, 
it's a big emergency. Yeah. Which it seems frivolous at the beginning, but they are all out of oranges. Yes. Which, okay, this is what little I know about sea life and pirating. If you don't get the proper nutrients, you will develop scurvy. And one of the symptoms is teeth and fingernails falling out. Mm-hmm. And the way, the only way that you can, one of the one of the ways that you can, you know, prevent this is eating citrus. Well, all the oranges were used up by Roach at the behest of Captain Steed for his forty orange glaze cake, which it's the forty orange. oranges were just for the glaze, <laughs> and the other ten were for the cake. And Steed's like, yeah. enough about your cake. This is yeah, all your so fault, Roach. Scurvy is specifically a deficiency of vitamin C. It's a severe vitamin C deficiency uh, because you don't get a lot of fresh foods on board the ship, a lot of hardtack, a lot of salted foods. Um, you get plenty of vitamin D because you do get a lot of sunlight. Um, but so ships would make sure to pack a lot of lemons, limes, or oranges to make sure because those are a good source of vitamin C. Uh, one of the most horrifying side effects of scurvy is that previously healed wounds can reopen so like if you have something that's scarred over uh the the scar tissue i guess can degrade and cuts that have healed can actually reopen on your skin oh my gosh i know did you also know that you can still get scurvy to this day. It's not like something that's been eradicated. Yeah, it's yeah. There are documented cases in 2020, 2021, 2022 of people who yeah. have made such extreme cuts in their diet that they cut out everything that gives them vitamin C. And people have developed scurvy due to the lack of vitamin C that they're choosing to take into their bodies. Right. Because scurvy is not a specific bacteria or virus. It is a lack of vitamin C, which is why <laughs> I like to drink juice. That's how I like to get my vitamin C. I don't care that it's artificial sugar, whatever. <laughs> I am a huge fan of uh, this juice from Kroger's. And it's white peach cranberry. It's so delicious. With a little Sprite or ginger ale in it. <laughs> and it's also, I also just drink it. It's, it's actually super, super sweet. So I normally like drink it and then dilute it with something else. Sometimes even just water. I'll just dump water in my juice. But I get some every time I go grocery shopping. It's so nice. good. White cranberry peach. Oh, white peach cranberry. I don't even remember. Grapefruit for me, baby. Oh, remember this it's Not time. unsweetened cranberry. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> Uh, Emily is like, I got some cranberry, or you tell about the cranberry juice. Oh, I just bought some because I'm just like, oh, I want to try something new or whatever. And picked it up, brought it home, and <laughs> took a swig. Wait, did you try it first? I can't remember. Uh, you tried it first. I'm sorry, no, I tried it first. And then I gagged and said, here, you try it. <laughs> so I immediately had to try it. And it just turned my mouth completely inside out because it ended up being unsweetened cranberry juice. I had I I'd bought unsweetened cranberry juice like a, like an idiot. So horrible. But that's I feel like that's sibling that's siblings in a nutshell. Yeah. Here I smelled this horrible thing. I tasted this terrible thing. You have to do it now. <laughs> now it's balanced. <laughs> So we're, we're at the meeting and we're finding out about the cake. And Emily, I got to tell you something about the cake storyline. Because that's the one, uh, that was one of the things I knew about the thing is that there was a cake. Yes. Uh, the actor who plays Roach, his name is Samba. Um, and he bakes dessert. So he is a baker in real life. Oh, cool. And he makes really beautiful, extravagant cakes. And so they put this storyline in sort of as like a nod to that well, the actor in real life has developed a recipe for Roach's 40 orange glaze cake. And he has <laughs> published it to his Twitter. And anytime <gasps> someone makes this cake, he will retweet their cake. And at, at this point, there's been like 300 pictures of it. So I'm just going to, I'm going to read you a little bit. So the tweet says, 
Promise the recipe and here it is, Roach's 40 Orange Glaze. May it inspire you to spread the deliciousness and curb the scurvy. Can't wait to see what you create. (laughs) And the recipe has been published on paper that looks like, you know, old-fashioned treasure map paper that it's tatty and the edges (laughs) a bit. Um, So, Roach's 40 Orange Glaze, recorded by Lucius because Roach can't write. First off, you don't need 40 oranges for this cake. Any person who uses 40 oranges for anything is insane, and that's coming from me. (laughs) You'll need like eight oranges for this recipe. Ten if you need a snack. You're about to make an orange syrup-infused sponge cake with orange fruit creme fraiche, orange buttercream frosting, and an orange glaze. It will taste like it has 40 oranges. Just don't tell Captain. He'll call it immoderate or something. This recipe will probably take three hours because there's quite some waiting time between each element. Keep yourself busy. Swab the deck or check in on buttons while you wait. I worry for that, man. (laughs) If any steps confuse you, there's plenty of videos out there to help you get clarification for textures, techniques, and such. You guys are lucky you have YouTube. All we had was Captain. Or Frenchie. He was our Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) i'll share some pictures of my steps in between to help out finally this is my version of the cake and you make it at your own risk but feel free to experiment around and express your creativity i believe in you if there's one thing we've learned aboard the revenge it's that everyone's special in their own way yes even black pete so let's bake this through as a crew i love it so emily when we're when we're done with the podcast next time i'm home we should uh we should make this cake together Okay, that sounds great. Ingredients, shop at the Republic of Pirates, your favorite establishment, or, you know, pillage. <laughs> <laughs> so, real quick, it has six eggs, white sugar, flour, baking powder, salt, orange zest, heavy cream, powdered sugar, vanilla essence, uh, an orange for the filling, orange juice, cognac, sugar, orange juice, cornstarch, powdered <laughs> sugar, on three sticks of butter... Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> In the frosting. It's three sticks of butter. Oh. Anyway. Uh so yeah, everyone check out the recipe. You can just you can just search, you know, Samba, our flag means death, orange cake, and you can find it. Emily, I'm gonna send you a picture of his finished. Perfect. While you were doing that, just thinking about like there's so much butter in there, heavy cream, like if you're going to make a dessert, that is the way to do it. Like, I understand. Okay, I'm going to try not to try not to sound horrible, but I have a very good friend, and she works as a private chef for <laughs> some very well-to-do families. And they are always very preoccupied with eating healthy and that sort of thing. And they will ask her, can you make brownies but not use you know, sugar or not use chocolate. Like they will ask her to make stuff and then take out the main ingredient is what makes it that. And I'm like, listen, you can eat whatever you want, however you want with whatever ingredients you want, but don't call it a brownie. It's not a brownie anymore. Or she made, they asked her to make like a sugar-free, dairy-free, gluten-free cheesecake. I remember this. (laughs) And she goes, and I did it. By selling my soul to Satan. But it happened. And I think I've brought an abomination upon this world. Uh, she was complaining to me once. She's like, Megan, imagine you as an artist, you're being asked to paint the sky and the ocean all the time. But you can never use the color blue. And she's like, <laughs> you can do it. You can, like, you know, there's other colors that happen in the sky, but you can never. And they keep asking you to paint things, but never use blue. Ever. (laughs) I'm an artist. (laughs) I'm like, you are. (laughs) She trained in Boston. She trained French style. So you use butter, you use cream, you use all of this stuff. And so she's like, sometimes when the parents go out of town and it's just me and the kids, I get to make lasagna and enchiladas (laughs) And, like, food that, like, you just use the ingredients that are supposed to be used. But, uh, Meg, the, the picture you sent just came through, and that is gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. There's, like, little swirls on the top over the glaze with little slices of orange, and I'm assuming mint leaves. Mm-hmm. Oh, it looks so tasty. 
Yeah. It's very fancy. Listen, when we make it, I don't know how fancy it's going to be, but um, this is a beautiful cake. I think we should use blood orange. So pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> So, everyone, uh, it is suggested that the quickest place, the nearest place to get oranges is in St. Augustine, which is a uh, Spanish colony in Florida. And Jim is very unhappy and very vocal about, no, we don't want to go there. The oranges suck there and the humidity is terrible and no. Um, It should be pointed out that Jim says the humidity. Do you know what that'll do to your hair? And Steed says, I'll wear a hat. And he (laughs) does wear a hat. (laughs) But Olu is very intrigued as to why Jim doesn't want to go. Because he tells Jim, listen, I don't know anything about you. And we're friends. And we should know this. And so Olu arranges and kind of manipulates a little bit. He volunteers Uh, Jim to lead an expedition. Yeah. And Jim is very unhappy, and Olu's like, I just want to get to know you. Poor Olu. There, uh, so that's that's going to be, like, the B story is Jim and Olu and finding out about Jim's past and where they came from. And the A story, <laughs> they sent Captain into town to find oranges. He did not bring back oranges. Emily, what did Captain Steed bring back? He spent more money than Lucius has ever seen in his life on a map. A real treasure treasure map, map specifically. Because he's afraid that Blackbeard is bored. And so he's like, I'm going to manufacture an adventure. (laughs) Because he wants Blackbeard to be happy and not leave. And so he has really gone above and beyond (laughs) to procure this treasure map. And has gotten... Oh, go ahead. We're coming up on my memed moment Mm -hmm. uh where it turns out swede's teeth are falling out because of the scurvy and Mm -hmm. he's saving all of his teeth in a bag uh so he can put them back in and they very sadly have to inform him it's like no i'm sorry steed the teeth don't go back in and so he crawls over to jim he's like jim please please help please get more oranges the teeth don't go back in and I did an edit where instead of his teeth, he's holding a screen cap of something that happens later in the show. And I said, please, HBO, get more episodes. The tears, they don't go back in. <laughs> so I did it first. And I've seen people, you know, take and repost my meme. That's what happens with memes. And I've also seen people remake it with, like, other drawings on the picture and stuff. And so, listen, a meme is just a repeated idea. Once you have an idea, it gets loose in the world. But those of you that listen to our podcast, please know, that was me. I did it. <laughs> oh. um, it's so funny because they're like, because he's freaking out and they're like, go, they tell him, go for a run. He's like, oh, they don't go back in. <laughs> Which, listen, I would also be properly, properly horrified. I, I don't, I don't like. I don't like mouth stuff. I don't like teeth stuff. Well, bad news. I'm going to tell a small mouth story. <laughs> no! <laughs> Just that. When I was listening to the Magnus Archives last year, one of my teeth fell apart in my mouth. Just after <gasps> I finished listening to a tooth episode. I had a molar just completely fall to bits in my mouth out of nowhere no pain or anything just one of my teeth crumbled away and I was sitting at my desk working and I honestly was like am I having a nightmare because you know I have (laughs) I have a losing my teeth nightmares quite often and I'm like no nope that was what happened and apparently I well I needed to get a root canal and the reason I didn't feel anything is that the my nerve ending had died in my tooth anyway uh the magnus archives physically cursed me you guys so much so much haunted stuff happened in my apartment while i was listening to that podcast i told you not to listen to it i told (laughs) including but not limited to meat smell (laughs) maggots (laughs) my tooth fell apart The screams of children in the night. (laughs) So haunted. 
I like so haunted. That it was it was the most haunted September anyone could remember. Listen, I I had heard many good things about this because I I dabbled in it first, and I'm like, oh, I I love a good story. I can I can do this scary stuff. No, I was at work listening to this, and I had to go out and take a block, like take a walk <laughs> around the block because I was so scared, and I was just like, absolutely not. Like it got to the point where I'm like, can I walk downstairs by myself and not have like a heart attack about? something jumping out from me out of the shadows so long story short i told megan about it and she had to see for herself so i did um <gasps> that was a cat <laughs> are you scaring yourself right now <laughs> No, okay. Um, oh yeah. Also, ghost ghost train that happened to me. There was a ghost train. Uh, and didn't you find stuff hung up that was too tall for you to reach? I don't remember that. I one. swear, you told me at one point you found like stuff hanging up that it was like physically impossible for you to get up there and hang up yourself. Probably. I'm very short. <laughs> Back to. No, Back what did your cat flight. knock over? Oh, uh, he jangled my soup bowl from the okay. my breakfast. Yes, I had soup for breakfast. It happens. <laughs> uh, so that really scared me. I'm so sorry. No, you really gasped. So Ed <laughs> is not really into the whole treasure map thing because he knows it's you know a touristy goof, and the lady down at the mm-hmm. docks is taking Steed for a ride. Yeah. So he's just like, just dragging his feet as he's going with Steed and Lucius. Because <laughs> Lucius comes as their treasure assistant, which I love it. And so here's here's my question, and it, it's it's not a plot relevant point in the story, but the shovel Lucius is carrying is quite small. Yes. Covered in a velvet bag. Yes. And at one point when he takes it off, I swear it's a gold-plated shovel. It might be. Uh, Steed does demark it as the special shovel from his glass cabinet. <laughs> uh, do you recognize the velvet bag over it? No. I, I didn't pay that close attention to it. It's all right. It looks like a Crown Royal bag, which is, you know, mm-hmm. it comes over the fancy bottle when you get a bottle of Crown Royal. Royale. Mm-hmm. I only know it because a bunch of people keep their D&D dice in those. <laughs> so Ed doesn't want to go, but Steed stands up and says, hey, I'm captain of the ship and we're, I say we're going. We're having a day once I've changed. <laughs> uh, the rest of the crew is out wandering St. Augustine and... Olu is uh, trying to grill Jim on, you know, I want to know more about you, like you were saying earlier. Uh, Emily, what is Jim's favorite color? It's teal. I guessed red. I was wrong. But it's teal. So Vico, who's the actor that plays Jim, uh, they were tweeting about this episode and mentioned that in an earlier draft, uh, Jim lies about their favorite color early on and then ends up telling their real favorite color at the end. Uh, mm-hmm. And I can't remember what the lie and what the real one was, but I'm like, well, I'm glad they changed it because that's what happens in Camp Cretaceous. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy's pestering Yaz in like season one of like, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? What's your favorite color of food? And Yaz, just to get Sammy off her back, is like orange, orange, and orange. And then at the end of the episode, Yaz is like, my favorite color is black. My favorite food is pizza. Um, so they decided that uh, the the script changed and they decided that teal would be Jim's favorite color. Uh, have you noticed that Olu always wears a little earring? Yes, it's a, it's a um, turquoise earring. What color? Is similar to turquoise. Teal. 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 So, uh, Vico, I can't remember if Vico confirmed this or not, but that over the last year, maybe Jim's favorite color has become teal because they always see Olu's earring. But they're, they're traveling together. And, And here's the thing. I, 
I'm not a secretive person, but I'm also not a very like, hey, let me tell you my whole life story the second I meet you. And I'm just like, oh, can you give Jim a tiny break? Just a a tiny break because he's like, I don't know anything about you. But he finds out a lot more than he was even expecting because everyone comes up onto an orange tree Outside and Black Pete and, and Roach and Frenchie and um, who's who's Hodor? What's his? Oh, Black we, Pete? No. We John. Uh, we John. They're like, sweet. We found oranges. We're saved. And Jim is church? looking around and they're like, nope, not those. Absolutely not. We can find them somewhere else. Let's keep going. And Black Pete is kind of like, listen, he, because he had tried to volunteer for the mission and then Jim had been put in charge and Black Pete is a little sore about that. Um, but he's just like taunting him about like, oh, you don't want us to take these oranges because they're at a church and, and just going on. And Jim is very insistent on like, no, don't do it. And out of nowhere, knife across the screen to like thud into the orange and it's a knife wielding nun. And I was like, oh. Yes! I love knife-wielding nuns. Mm-hmm. And they call it to Jim. So they're using Jim's old name or Jim's dead name. Um, mm-hmm. They switch back and forth. We're just going to say Jim all the way through the whole thing. Uh, the nun. But yeah, but the nun, uh, the nun, she does switch to using they, them pronouns, no problem. Uh, which is like really sweet that it wasn't a, a talk or a conversation. It's just... Oh, yeah. No, I accept that. We just use that. That's, that's what it is. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nana. We find out. Yo soy. <laughs> <laughs> the nun knows Jim because the nun raised Jim. And Olu sits down with the nun and Jim at a table and, and is getting an earful about Jim's childhood and everything while the other pirates are made to do manual labor to be paid in oranges and it's it's so sweet in the moment where jim is like i go by jim these days and nana just smiles and says all right come in jim we'll have cake nana that's your (laughs) all right best line of the episode is olu going coming nana coming for some cake (laughs) and um the nun is kind of interrogating Jim, asking some very personal questions in Spanish about Olu until Jim's just like, Nana, they speak Spanish, like Olu speaks Spanish. And and the nun is super impressed rather than being embarrassed. She's like, oh, muy bien. Is he your husband or is this a living in sin situation? He speaks <laughs> Spanish, Nana. <laughs> Jim's having a but great we find time. Out, Jim's having a great time. We I'm find sorry. out more about Jim's. I meant Olu. Olu's having a great time. <laughs> Not Jim. Not Jim. Um, but Olu does find out more about Jim's background, which is that when Jim was a kid, their family was killed by bandits, these seven specific bandits. And turns out the nun raised Jim to literally be an assassin to take out these seven bandits. Revenge for the meek! Revenge for their bloodline! God's (laughs) divine revenge! (laughs) And when she interrogates Jim saying, how many did you kill? How many are still alive? And she's like, well, there's six that are still living unless they've died from something else. And Jim just says, I killed the only one that matters, which is turns out to be the one who the one who specifically murdered uh jim's father which was spanish jackie's favorite husband and we know that whole background now not only was it spanish jackie's favorite husband but that was a cameo by one of the directors are you serious yeah let me let me double check to make sure which one fernando frias plays and he plays the man who (laughs) killed uh jim's family oh i have a theory i have a theory it could Mm -hmm. be bunnies um that we see the flashback we see the murder happen that megan didn't warn me about but there is there is little jim and then there is a second sibling looks to be like a brother and jim tells us that they blacked out after they watched their dad's murder 
but we don't see the murder of the second kid. So I'm positing that kid is still alive and was either kidnapped by the bandits and raised as a bandit themselves. I don't know, but I have a sneaking suspicion that this sibling is going to show up at one point. Well, we'll keep watching. Because uh, by the end of this episode, it is clear that Jim is going to go off on their own adventure. Yeah, I was really sad about that. Me they decide too. that they need to go and finish the divine revenge that they have been trained to do. But I was just like, like you said in the last episode, we miss the crew members when they're not in the episode. And Jim's, Jim's yeah. gone for now. Yeah. There's not a lot of Mr. Buttons in this episode. I know he's one of your faves. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Listen, I, I say so-and-so is my favorite and so-and-so is my favorite. They are all A++++. Plus plus plus. Love it's everybody. It's a great ensemble, right? It's a wonderful ensemble. <laughs> Meanwhile. And it's, I feel like it would be easy to be lost in like, yeah. hey, you're one of eight people. But everyone has just made their characters so vibrant in these little teeny tiny interactions that we see them in. They're all great. I love them all. Yeah. Uh, so cutting back to the treasure hunting trio, uh, mm-hmm. Blackbeard and Lucius are commiserating over how horrible the flies are and Blackbeard's hungry. And then Steed is like, look, look what I found. And Emily, I feel like this is what it's like going places with me. <laughs> that you just go off and disappear for a second and then i it's find be... something really cool like a dead crow <laughs> on the beach and i bring it back to the family and i'm like look at how amazing this is look at all the bones you can see and my parents are like don't touch dead animals <laughs> but i'm like look at the moss on this rock and dad's like we have been looking for you for 30 minutes <laughs> It's never happened, but it sounds like something that would happen it to me. It sounds like you. So he has found Dryocampa rubicunda, or the candied melon silk moth. And it's a tiny, tiny moth. Like, I was thinking if it's a moth, it's going to be, like, we have giant ones here in Utah, at least. Like, we have, like, palm-sized moths. And he's holding this teeny little moth, and it's just, it's so, so tiny. It's like the size of a butterfly clip. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just teeny, tiny. And it's so cute. And I, I love that, that like, for all that Steed kind of comes across as, like, lackadaisical and whimsical and everything, you would have to have very sharp eyes to see that because it's not really brightly colored or anything. It would mm-hmm. blend in with its surroundings. And he has taken the time to find it. You know, he he saw it. He's, he's yeah. good at finding and- things. Uh, there's a moment where it seems like Ed is, like, interested in it. Where he says, oh, I suppose it's pretty interesting for an insect. But then he gets bit by a fly and he's back to his, what the? Sorry, my merged dragons opened up. <laughs> Can't play that one podcasting. <laughs> so Ed is almost interested in it for a second. And then a fly shows up and in his face and he starts like screaming again and he's back in his bad mood he's like ugh, i'm going back to the ship and guess what doesn't help uh death from above <laughs> yes. um he just leans against a palm tree and a freaking snake falls on top of him listen that's not just a goof thing that's the thing that can happen in real life yeah i just I would pass out if that happened to me. I would absolutely pass out. Uh, I think you may react the way that Ed does. Probably. He's so mad. He just loses it, takes it, like he kills it, just straight off. He kills it, slamming it around on the ground, screaming at it, just like really over the top. Like, Like his reaction is like, I think realistic for the Uh situation, but he's also really mad about other things. And so he's taking out his aggression that way. But um, (laughs) when you were in elementary school, did you ever get to go to Honey Island Swamp? No. um, For a field trip? Wait, is that the place where they raised a bunch of crocs and turtles? Uh, I don't know about raised. I just remember. Not raised. Yeah. 
took, you know, our whole first grade class, stuck us in a bunch of little dinghy boats, took us out onto the swamp so we could see alligators. And I was fine with that. That was great. I didn't have like a healthy enough fear of alligators at that point. I was just like, oh, we'll see it from afar. Great. Um, they told us right before we got in the boat to watch out for falling snakes when they would go under the thing. And I almost refused to go because I didn't realize snakes could fall out of trees. I didn't know snakes were in trees. I didn't know there were so many things I needed to be afraid of as a kid. So when I was in elementary school, I got show and tell banned. (laughs) It sounds like you. So, what did you do? I don't think I know this story. Uh, we've been reading A Little Princess in class. And she has mm-hmm. this doll in the story that's that's mentioned. And I would mentioned at one point to our teacher that, oh, hey, I have a doll. This I got from my grandmother. Um, I may bring it to class sometime. Because, you know, we would all bring in, whenever there was something interesting, we'd be able to bring it in and do a little show and tell for class. And mm-hmm. so uh, a couple weeks later, I bring a shoebox to class. And... Honestly, I think this is on my teacher. She should have noticed that there were air holes poked in the box. Oh my gosh, Megan. And the box sits on my desk all day and then just, you know, maybe around, okay, all day. It was just like a couple hours in. Um, She says, okay, Megan, it's time for your show and tell. And my wonderful teacher was expecting me to pull out a nice, beautiful little doll And I open the box and pull out a live snake that my cat had caught and I had rescued from my cat. We thought it was dead when the cat first got it. But as I picked it up, I noticed its tongue would come out. So I like had put it in a box and let it rest inside the house and I had brought it to school. So I'm letting the snake go hand over hand as I'm holding it. And I'm talking about this is a common garter snake and they're found and da 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 because I had done research on it because I loved the crocodile hunter as a kid (laughs) and what i don't see is my teacher completely plastered against the far wall turns out she had an intense phobia of snakes because her brother used to chase her around with a king snake when she was little oh my gosh (laughs) needless to say She was not pleased by my inquiring scientific mind. And she made me go outside and set the snake loose. And I cried because I was like, this was going to be my pet snake. And she made me set it free. And then she banned all show and tell forever. And my youngest sister had this teacher four years later. And the teacher was like, yeah, never again. I learned from your sister. How did you go from, I'm going to bring a Victorian doll to a live snake? Well, like, I, what was the thought process? I still was going to bring the doll because the doll wasn't going to happen <laughs> until like later in the story. I brought the snake because an opportunity to bring a snake presented itself. <laughs> I didn't have a snake when I promised the doll. But when I got oh the gosh. snake, I'm like, it's snake time. <laughs> oh, I don't mind... I don't mind snakes and things like that. I don't like being surprised by them. Yeah. Like if I'm, if it's close to me, like if I'm out working in the garden or whatever and I see something slither by my foot, I'm a freak out. I will totally freak out. But if I'm like far away and can see it, I'm like, cool. It's outside. Great. Not a problem. But I don't like them. I don't like them near me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just what Blackbeard did. Uh, so he beats the snake I... to death and then they eat it. <laughs> Emily, tell me about tell me about the restaurant scene. Okay. So Blackbeard has calmed down a tiny bit. And they're they're eating, you know, part of the snake and everything like that and and uh, he mentions like he's going to start a restaurant cuz he could do anything. And Steed being a very kind friend is like, I've come to your restaurant. And Blackbeard and Steed start having this conversation back and forth about like, well, my restaurant's going to be very popular. You might not get in. And talking about the logistics of everything and how busy nights are going to be and when he could come and when he could not come. And and it's going to be a restaurant and a fishing thing and this. And Steed's like, well, what about a gift shop? Like, it's a very cute 
conversation and Lucius is sitting there because they're both sitting like on on tree stumps or whatever and Lucius is on the ground cooking the snake just like like tennis ball tennis ball you know back and forth back and forth back and forth <laughs> and he's starting to be like hey hang no no <laughs> There, there may be something there that wasn't there. Um, so, Emily, to your great delight, I would like to inform you that Ed and Steed's whole conversation was an improv. I love that because that feel it feels so natural and so real. And I understand a good actor can make anything feel natural and real. But to know that it was just them playing back and forth off of each other. So, okay, when that happens, I've got a question because there's two different camera angles. Yeah. Do they have two cameras set up and are filming both actors simultaneously or do they only film on one actor, go through a dialogue, and then set up the next camera and focus on the other actor to film their side of the dialogue? Like, So it depends on the show. Um, you can do multiple coverage of the thing. My guess is they would have shot the master, which is the, the wide shot where you can see both of them at once. Um, my guess is they would have shot it in the wide to do it all the first time and then be like, okay, let's do that scene again and get other coverage on it. Okay. Although it is possible that they set up the, like, like you said, maybe just like two cameras at a time. Um, but, yeah, my guess would be is that they improved it when it was in the wide and then they went into coverage. They, you know, like, went back and either just recorded it or repeated it from uh, what they did before. Um, so, yeah, the, the full name of the shop turns out to be Blackbeard's Bar and Grill and Other Delicacies and Delights and Fishing Equipment. <laughs> and my favorite bit is at the end of their back and forth because they're like, well, who would want to come to this kind of restaurant? Who would want to come to this kind of restaurant? And... And then Steve's like, and then somebody pipes up from the back and says, oh, I love a gift shop. I'll go back in there. And Ed says, well, I want him to come to my restaurant. Who's that? And Steve goes, it's me. And they go like, ah! It's, it's really cute. It's really fun. Well, then. And this is when Disaster you said. Disaster strike. Not, not yet. Not yet. Oh, not yet. This is when you said, have you drawn this? Oh, yeah. Ed gets a little bit of something in his beard and he can't get it out. So Steed reaches across to pull it out for him. And Lucius sort of across the fire goes, this is happening. <laughs> Title of the episode. Title of the episode. Here's where we come to a misunderstanding I had when I got into this show. So Emily, okay. what do you know about the meme live slug reaction? Nothing. Okay. Remember in... <laughs> the rise of skywalker when it's at the end and everyone's celebrating and for like half a second they show two women in the rebel army kiss during all of the celebrations oh. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. immediately after that kiss they cut to one of the puppet characters which is this slug who you know because because they're cutting all around the camp showing everybody celebrate they show this kiss really quickly and then they showed this pretty much expressionless slug for like twice as long as the shot of the women <laughs> oh, no so that became a tumblr meme called live slug reaction where you show um an image from a show or like a drawing of a picture that's got lgbtq content in it whether characters holding hands or kissing and then you put a picture of the slug in the bottom and it's titled live <laughs> slug reaction nice. so i knew about the live slug reaction meme I hadn't watched this show yet. Someone did this scene, but they put Lucius's face in the box and said live <laughs> Lucius reaction. And so I thought going into this show that Lucius was a homophobic character, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Now I realize that's Izzy. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, so I remember around, like, the time episode, it was episode, two, yeah, it was, like, episode two or three, where he, like, talks about how he is gay, and I was like, then why did they cast him as the slug? And then I got to the scene, and I'm like, no, it's because he's, he's literally watching something, he's like, is it romantic? Is it not? Like, happening on the, the other side of the fire. But nice. then, 
You were right. Disaster strikes Emily. What disaster happens? I don't see how they didn't notice this in time. Uh, so I'm having a hard time suspending my disbelief, but an ember from the fire lands on the map and it starts on fire. And I... uh, My quick explanation is how they possibly couldn't have noticed. One, smell wouldn't have alerted them. There's already a fire going. Two, the sound of a fire wouldn't have alerted them. There's already a fire going. Three, they're just lost in each other's eyes and therefore <laughs> don't notice there's a romantic fire going. <laughs> it kind of cuts away and then cuts back to the aftermath of poor Steed just trying desperately to put this together to salvage this day. I, I got dad at Disneyland vibes from him for most of this episode about like, we are going to have fun, okay? Listen, I know that Space Mountain is down for repairs and I know that the Jungle Cruise is blocked off to do some refurbishments and that the fireworks are canceled because it's rain, but we're still going to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so he's trying to put it together um you know, by the campfire, whereas uh, Blackbeard and Lucius have kind of, like, gone off. And this is one of the best scenes, I think, of this yeah. episode, is this Lucius and Blackbeard episode together. Lucius or is scene the, together. Lucius is the MVP. I love this speech so much. And, like, Lucius isn't an incredibly, like, you don't think of him as a brave or courageous character, right? He's one of the, yeah. he's one of the comedy guys and he's just, you know, along for the ride or whatever. But the way that he stands up for Steed in this scene is just so sweet. Because mm-hmm. remember in the pilot episode where he's like, yeah, I'm all for, I'm all for mutiny. Let's kill the captain. And now he's like, this man has feelings and you're hurting them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look. Mm-hmm. You're very cool. And you wear leather. Okay, so maybe you will understand this. But everyone is worried all the time. Whether they're interesting or adventurous enough for you. And that bizarre little man over there likes you very much. And you like him. And if you can't get over yourself long enough to realize that, you're going to end up another leather-clad, middle-aged sad sack dying in a puddle of his own piss. You can stab me in the face now. (laughs) I've maybe watched this scene once or twice. I love that that is like his huge moment of bravery because he's talking to freaking Blackbeard and chewing Blackbeard out for hurting someone's feelings. Mm -hmm. And he's fully prepared to deal with the consequences of getting stabbed in the face. Yeah. And, you know, Blackbeard listens. He listens to Lucius talk and he doesn't kill him for it. Mm -hmm. And he goes over and... Poor Lucius and Blackbeard are terrible actors, but they are really trying to lift Steed's spirits of like, oh, yeah, we can we can keep going. Yeah, look, this tiny little like one inch square of the map that didn't get burned. We can still find the treasure. <laughs> um. So the A and the B story both meet up at Jim's family's land. Mm-hmm. Because Jim and Olu are having a moment. I'm going to apologize. You may hear some dog snoring. I'm oh, apologizing okay. now. So, okay. Jim and Olu are about to have a moment. Because he's followed Jim out from Nana's house. Breaking, finally. And they're leaning in. And they're going for the kiss. And the music is rising. And then Steed just stumbles through the scene on his Stupid treasure hunt. <laughs> the stupid hat. The stupid hat. And uh, this tree is Jim's family tree. They planted the day they were born. Listen. But it looked dead. I so. love Steed, but he defiles a beautiful thing in this scene. <laughs> because Jim and Olu were about to kiss and they were about to be together. And Steed comes in blundering about and he digs up a treasure from under this tree everyone's like it's a rock it ends up being a petrified orange um and in this scene i feel you can see jim change their mind that oh the old tree still has some fruit to give and they decide to go out and finish the story of revenge so, Steed, I know you didn't do it on purpose, but if you had let the two of them kiss, 
we wouldn't be in this situation right now. We would still have a gym on the team. Yeah, Defiles beautiful things. That's what I'm <laughs> going to say. So, Jim says goodbye to Olu, you know, and just stays behind. And, and Olu goes and says goodbye to the nun, and she teaches him a phrase in Spanish. Life is pain. La vida es dolor. Well, I think he already knew it in Spanish, because remember, oh, Olu speaks he knows Spanish. Spanish. Yeah. yeah. But a phrase. She teaches him a phrase. Yeah. You know, a saying or whatever. And... And I thought, like, it, it's such it's such a small scene, but the way that, that Olu kind of, like, internalizes this of, like, yeah, that's what life is sometimes. That's just what happens, you know? It's just, he accepts it and... and he shouldn't have to. Yeah. I want to jump back to the treasure scene real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they find this orange, and um, before they realize it's a petri- petrified orange... Emily, this scene got the biggest laugh out of you from the whole episode because Lucius, still trying to fix everything, says, maybe the real treasure was our day spent together. And then what does Steve say? We spent every day together. (laughs) (laughs) Treasure is the real treasure. Treasure is the real treasure. But he ends up just being absolutely in love with this petrified orange. It, it, It becomes his new favorite thing. Oh, because... Jim has explained the significance of the tree and everything. And so um, Steed tosses the orange to Jim and Jim kind of looks at it and, you know, is having a moment and then tosses it back to, to Steed and says, no finders keepers. And Steed goes, oh, good. I didn't really want to give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then very sadly, Jim and Olu say goodbye. Uh-huh. <sighs> but we get all we get all the oranges we need. So the Swede can stop losing teeth. <laughs> Put them back. The teeth don't go back in. But um, so at the beginning of the episode, when they're having tea together up on deck, they talk about how, you know, most ships only have one captain. Well, here at the end of the episode, with Ed and Steed enjoying some good bourbon, uh, they they talk it through and they're like, Do you know what? If you find the two perfect people... Maybe they could be co-captain. And they say it almost at the same time, and they're just like, oh, oh we, we said, said the same, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it looks like everything is a beautiful fairy tale aboard the Revenge. But Emily, what has Mr. Israel Hands been up to? <sighs> this man. This man is trying my patience because this man? What sort of devil last episode <laughs> we realized he went back to Spanish Jackie to get all this done. And, and you were like, I thought he was going to go to the British. Guess what? Guess what? He did. He's invited them there so everyone can like triangulate where Steve is. Oh, and I love, hold on. Let me find, let me find this. Is it what is he saying at the beginning of the scene? No. Okay, I wanna I wanna it's, jump it's in and when, highlight that first. It's when the okay, yeah, go for it. So we cut to Spanish Jackies and Izzy is there whining about his basically how his ex has been seduced. <laughs> <laughs> Bonnet comes along and he's like, "Oh, Blackbeard, I really, I love the way you dress. I love the way your your hair, your beard, all of that." And I'm like, "This is like listening to someone get drunk and be like, he was never mine to lose.'" <laughs> That's exactly what I sounded like the day that they announced Tom Hiddleston got engaged. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I never met the man. You you can't call dibs on people that you haven't ever met. But, you know, <laughs> there was a little bit of me when they posted the announcement. That I was like, oh, okay. Congratulations. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but the British come in. The British are coming? The British are here. <laughs> and and the Admiral Badminton, is that what his name is? Yep. Okay, he's asking them basically, "What's in it for you? Why do you want? Why do you want us to do this?" And they, Jackie says, "He broke my nose jar, 
and one of his crew murdered my favorite husband and Izzy's kind of like Bonnet did something to my boss's brain and the Admiral's just like I am following exactly zero of this conversation (laughs) his oh my gosh his elocution is so funny it's so good his line delivery I just I didn't follow any of that (laughs) his voice is so deep yeah like like his he has the very last line of the of the episode and because yeah yeah izzy says we can get you steed bonnet for a price and the guy leans in and i can't do it but it his voice registry is like down in his chest and it is deep it's like it's like um who's the guy that patrick page in haiti yes It's just sends chills down my spine. <laughs> you and I could co-captain. I think we'd be. I think you and I could run a ship very well together. I would do all the stabbing, <laughs> and you could do all of the group therapy sessions. <laughs> oh, but yeah, they're in big trouble now, and I'm so upset. I knew Izzy was going to do something like this, but I, I'm so surprised he went to the English. Yeah, but. It makes sense. They're the biggest, baddest people out there on the seas. Like, they're the big guns. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much tomfoolery anybody could pull, like, do the pull the wool over their eyes, you yeah. know, that sort of thing. So, so uh, everybody here wants Steed Bonnet dead. Mm-hmm. And Izzy says, we can help you do that for a price. Emily, what price do you think Izzy will ask for? I think she wants Jim. I think uh, she wants Izzy, not, not. Oh, not Spanish Jackie. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Um. So here, let me rephrase my question: What okay. does Spanish Jackie want, and what does Izzy want in exchange for them turning Steed over to the British? I would think Izzy. I would think Spanish Jackie would want Jim and mm-hmm. possibly Olu to complete, to complete the. The cycle of revenge. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we see a... Uh, a new nose jar. A new nose jar. <laughs> My nose! Um, <laughs> and not that I think Izzy is this naive, but I think he just wants things to go back to the way they were, and he thinks if Steed is out of the picture, that will happen. But what he hasn't counted on is that Steed is making a lasting impression on blackbeard and Mm -hmm. blackbeard's not the same person yeah but since before he met steed bonnet and so i don't know what izzy wants i don't know if he wants to be blackbeard now Uh or i feel like what he would want is just for things to go back to normal once steed's out of the picture yeah but you can't like you said you can't force people to be a certain way yeah you can't force a situation into something you want if nobody else is on board with Mm -hmm. that and so, uh, to, to follow up what you were saying, that he just wants Steed out of the way and he wants Blackbeard back, what do you think Ed would be like if Steed was just taken away from him? I think, well, because in the in the previous episode, when there was the duel, and Ed didn't want to watch it happen, but had kind of accepted that Steed probably wasn't going to live through this, you could tell he was mm-hmm. sad. I think at this point, I think we'll see it, grow more but i think at this point if if that is a threat that blackbeard's gonna come out not just ed but blackbeard will come out to rescue steed and a noble steed (laughs) that is a scene i would love is like the full fury of the kraken coming Mm -hmm. for the English ship that's got Steed Bonnet on it. I'm thinking like yeah. a Mega Mind type of entrance with the smoke and the fireworks and the yeah, presentation. Yeah. All right, well, maybe we'll find things out in the next episode. That wraps us for today on Season 1, Episode 7, This Is Happening. Catch us next week to We Gull Way Back, Season 1, Episode 8, directed by Bert and Birdie, written by Alyssa Lane, 
and Alex J. Sherman. And so we are going to watch this episode and then we shall talk it through as a crew. Thanks so much, everybody. I love you. Good night. Bye. Another episode come and gone. Thank you again, everyone, for listening to Our Flag Means Death. To hear more of Emily and I chatting with each other about stuff we read or watch, check out our other podcast feeds. This coming Thursday, July the 21st, we will be talking about The Way of Kings by Brent Nope. We will be talking about The Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. We'll be back for our next episode of Our Flag Means Death on the following Tuesday, July 26th. And then the Thursday after that, July the 28th, we're back talking about Roswell, the 1999 television show. So there's a lot of places you can find us, including Twitter and Instagram at SisMadeMeViewIt. So there you go. Everything's possible in this modern age. Uh, I love you all. Hope you're having a good summer if you're in the Northern Hemisphere and winter if you're down south. It's hot here. But uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And I love you. That's right. I definitely do. Bye. (laughs) Bye.